1: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: I feel like asking you how the NFL has changed your mind today. Goodness, there were a lot of games, a lot of moments. A lot of clashes and wild down-to-the-wire finishes that I think may have changed the minds of some football fans, but that's what the NFL is all about. You make predictions and the league laughs in your face, and today, well, there was a lot of laughter. The Ravens were doing some laughing, although Lamar wants you to know it was just a regular season game. It was a big one, though. A big gauge for the Ravens. And while we're talking about the Ravens, how about the AFC North? In week seven, the Ravens dominate the Detroit Lions. The Steelers show off some maturity, some growth in the offense with two touchdown drives in the fourth quarter and a rally past the Rams. The Browns, Lose Deshaun Watson early in the game. It's P.J. Walker. The defense, other than Miles Garrett, is not all that impressive. And yet, a victory against the Colts on the road. And you could say what you want about the Indianapolis Colts, but they would have been above five hundred if they had won on Sunday. And for the Browns to close the way they did, And win by a single point. Heck, to put up 39 points in a road game speaks volumes about how the Browns can win. Gritty, gutsy. I think that's the only way they can win. And yet those W's count for the same. The Bengals... They're the only team in the AFC North that didn't take a step forward on this day. And that makes sense, right? The Bengals are not below 500, though. So as they take this week off and don't play again until a road game at the 49ers next week, they recognize they got to keep up with the rest of their division. For those of you who thought the AFC North would be the toughest most competitive division in football, you were on to something. Right now, we're staring at a couple teams who've separated themselves from the pack. No surprise, at least it's not to me. I hope you're not surprised this year. Maybe you were last year when the Chiefs still ran away with the AFC West, but come on. There's no way you fell for the offseason narrative that the other teams in that division had caught up with the Chiefs or that the Chiefs were not as good as the rest of the AFC, right? Come on, you didn't believe that. As much as teams think they're improving and adding pieces and they're getting better, and some of them are, the Chiefs have not taken any steps back. And by the way, Chiefs fans, as they're getting ready for their game, their kickoff against the Chargers on CBS, on national TV, fans already filling into Arrowhead Stadium They come early, meant it looked beautiful in Kansas City, gorgeous weather. They show the Patriots victory over the Bills, meaning the Patriots late, what was it, 12 seconds to go, touchdown from Mac Jones to Mike Gisecki. And as they show that on the big screen at Arrowhead Stadium, the Chiefs fans erupt. Why do you think? Well, because they recognize. Not only are they going to get every team's best shot as the Super Bowl champions, but they're in a battle for home field, top seed, bye in the first round. That's that's what it means to be a Chiefs fan right now. It's week number seven, and they're already thinking about having the top seed and the bye and home field advantage. Remember, because they've hosted five consecutive AFC championship games, and they are dynamic at Arrowhead. They were once again. There is only one team in the AFC that's six and one, and that would be the Chiefs defending Super Bowl champions. In the NFC, of course, we're going to break down Sunday night football. The Eagles. The Eagles. Tough, physical. How is it that everyone in the country can know the tush push is coming and yet nobody can stop it? It's really not rocket science, and yet there's got to be science behind it. (laughs) I'm actually going to ask that question of our guest who will join us from Philadelphia coming up in 15 minutes. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Hope you had a great weekend. May and the colors, the fall colors are starting to pop in my neighborhood. They're beautiful. But it rained again. Seventh straight weekend where we had pretty crazy rain on both Friday into Saturday. Got a lot done, though. Felt like it was a productive weekend. Nice and quiet. Lots of TV. Catching up on the DVR. Following football. Watching baseball. Doing a lot of laundry. But it was that kind of weekend that I needed. I hope your weekend was exactly what you needed. You can find me on Twitter, A Law Radio, Also on our Facebook page, After Hours with Amy Lawrence. How has the NFL changed your mind this week or through the first seven weeks of the season? Though we do have one more game coming up on Monday night. In the NFC, we know the East is still a beast. Now, it may not be quite as top-heavy as it was last year. At this point, the Commanders are below 500 again, so give the Giants credit for a big victory. And by big, I mean defensive, although they did get a couple touchdown passes from Tyrod Taylor early and made it stand up. There's a chance we could still have three playoff teams from the East, but the Eagles and the Cowboys, who are off this weekend, are separating themselves from the pack. The Lions definitely get punched in the mouth. Or, as Dan Campbell terminology would go, they got some busted kneecaps. And I mean humiliating loss in Baltimore. But it just counts for one. And if you know anything about Dan Campbell, his coaching staff, the Lions, you know they're going to bounce back. And they still have a very healthy lead in the NFC North. The Packers... They are going the wrong way. The Vikings tangle with the Niners on Monday night, so we'll see if they can pull ahead of the Packers for second place in that division, but only the Lions are above five hundred in the NFC North. The Falcons take over first place in the NFC South. Arthur Smith does not want to hear about Desmond Ritter. I'm just saying. He had three fumbles, but... And back-to-back tough losses for the Bucks at home. And finally, the Seahawks. Trying to sneak up on the Niners a little bit, though the Niners will have the chance to answer coming up on Monday night. What has the NFL done to change your mind in week seven or in the first nearly two months? Are you kidding me? We're almost two months into this NFL 2023 campaign. So find us on Twitter. Find us on Facebook. Our phone number, 855-212-4227. That's 855-212-4CBS. The Sunday night game is the one that you all selected, overwhelmingly so, as the after-hours game of the week. And Philly dominated the start of this game right out of the gate. They were... Uh, They were using the formula that we know they like to use. They want to run the ball, control the ball, and against a team like the Dolphins that has the most potent offense in the NFL, well, of course, the way to make it work is to keep Tua and Tyreek, Jalen, Raheem Mostert, keep them on the sidelines. And so the very first possession of the game for the Eagles goes seven minutes. Seven minutes. The Dolphins come out, they get warmed up, and then they sit. And they don't just sit for the seven minutes of the actual drive. They sit for all that time in between plays. Just getting cold. Well, yeah, I mean, it was pretty chilly in Philadelphia. Uh, Some brisk winds, and Nick Sirianni was wearing gloves, actually. So seven minutes for a field goal for the Eagles, but that's what they want to do. They want to pound the opposing defenses into submission, and they want to keep the opposing quarterback comfy on his seat on the sidelines. Really, the only blip early in this game for the Eagles is when Jalen Hurts is sacked by Bradley Chubb, and it forces a fumble that leads to a Miami field goal. But the Eagles bounce back. Something I like about this Philadelphia team, not just the coaching staff but the players, when they make a mistake, have a bad drive, don't play well, maybe there's drops or turnovers or just poorly organized snaps or drives, they tend to respond. They find another gear, and we saw that in the second quarter.
3: Hurts fakes, Hurts fires, and it goes to Goddard, who's at the 10, the 5, touchdown, Dallas Goddard! It's that tight end screen once again. This time they take it to the left side,
4: they get big Jordan Mailata out in front of Dallas Goddard. The tight end screen, it's a two-man screen, and it's executed to perfection. Hurts will line up under center, Smith split wide to the left, here's the snap. Hurts gets the shelter behind, surging to the goal line, no signal yet. Oh, it's a touchdown. They're all running in to take a look, and there's the official signal. It's a one-yard touchdown run for Jalen Hurts to make it 16-3. to Philadelphia with 3:10 remaining in the first half.
2: Ryan Radke on Westwood One and Merrill Reese on Eagles Radio Network. So, yeah, what you see from the Eagles after a turnover that leads to Miami points, they go on back-to-back drives that result in touchdowns. And once again, keeping Tua off the field. It was National Tight Ends Day, so happy National Tight Ends Day to those of you who celebrate. Goddard with a 19-yard score of his own. But we know how quickly Miami can heat up. They're like a toaster. It doesn't take them long. They can heat up really quickly. And they also have the speed to be able to employ that quick strike.
4: Now third and eight for the Dolphins. Mostert in the game. He lines up the tongue of Iloa's right. Two receivers right. Tyreek Hill split wide left just outside the numbers. Here's the snap. Two a back to pass. Looking left. Going deep left for Hill. He's got a step, and he's got the catch in the end zone. Touchdown, Dolphins. Tongue of Iloa dropped it in the bucket to Tyreek Hill. 27 yards. The Dolphins find the end zone, and with 39 seconds to go in the first half, it's now the Eagles 17, the Dolphins 9. Extra point coming up. Great drive, much-needed drive for Miami.
2: You can say that again, Ryan Radke. Yeah, that late first half, 72-yard drive. I, you can't call it a march. It's more like a sprint at that point. They only used two and a half minutes, a couple of big chunk plays, including Tyree Kill with a 27-yard score. And did you see his touchdown celebration? <laughs> he lies on the ground on his left side, and one of his teammates – pretends to cast a fishing line and reel him in. So he's like flopping on the ground. I'm pretty sure Jeff Darlington tweeted it, actually, if you wanted to retweet it, Jay. Our show account is After Hours CBS, and we'll do all of our polls this week from that Twitter account plus our Facebook page. So, yeah, it's 17-10 at halftime, even though it felt like the Eagles had been in control. But a couple of plays here or there, and that's how quickly Miami can hurt opponents. And then Jalen, who we know has been really frustrated with himself because of his miscues, he ends up with yet another turnover to start the third.
4: The Eagles take over at their own 21. First down at 10. Pistol formation. DeAndre Swift is the back. Receivers left and right, Hurts squats down, takes the snap, fakes the handoff, throws and his pass is batted down, it's intercepted! Jerome Baker picks it off and he takes it in for a touchdown! Kater Kohu knocked it down, Baker picked it off, and just like that, Miami is a point away from tying the game.
2: And just like that, four minutes to go in the third quarter and all of the work that the Eagles have done, and they're tied. Because of two turnovers. Isn't that how they lost to the Jets last week? Their first loss of the season. Four turnovers. Were they all by Jalen Hurts? I know he had three of them. I can't remember if the fourth one was him. Though I can easily look it up. So yeah, Jalen's second turnover is a pick six on a tipped ball by Jerome Baker. It goes 22 yards. It's after hours with Amy Lawrence here on CBS Sports Radio. But as I said, in the first half, we saw them kick it into high gear. And that also happens after the pick six. They get the ball back and you can see the resolve of Jalen and you can see them button up and become more disciplined and answer immediately.
1: Hurts in the gun. Hurts back pedals.
3: He pumps. He looks. He fires. He completes it. Breaking
2: away. Running into the end zone. A.J.
3: Brown. The Eagles take the lead. He's a grown man.
4: This is one of those where the inside receiver goes down the to, cl- to clear out. A.J. comes in on that little end cut, but he's patient. He catches the football and then just runs through arm tackles and into the end zone. He's a grown man.
2: Merrill Reese and company on Eagles Radio. So after the pick six, the Dolphins never score again. The Eagles go on back-to-back touchdown drives of 75 yards and 83 yards, and as they're doing it, they take 10-plus minutes off the clock because that's their comfort zone. Both A.J. Brown and Kenneth Gainwell with big plays to help put this one away for the Eagles. And the defense deserves some commendations. Not trophies because, you know, it's a regular season game. But the defense with four sacks and eight tackles for loss. In limiting the Dolphins, I know Tyree Kill dropped a deep touchdown pass, and he was pretty angry at himself. But the Eagles deserve a ton of credit for the tough, physical style of play and being able to contain not just Tyreek Kill but Raheem Mostert. The Dolphins couldn't get that run game going to save their lives. So Eagles move to six and one. Dolphins fall off to five and two. They miss a chance to pick up a game on the Buffalo Bills in the AFC East. Coming up, we'll check in with Dave Spadaro, who's Eagles Insider accounts on Twitter and Instagram and his website. They're hugely popular because the Eagles fans love to support their team. Fly, Eagles fly. That's the hashtag that gives you a little icon on Twitter. Thanks so much for hanging out with us on this Sunday night. We're just getting warmed up. We've got championship series baseball as well. At least one game seven on tap. So much to cram in. On this edition of After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio.
3: You are listening to the After Hours Podcast.
1: Second out of three, Hertz takes the gun, goes to Gamewell, Gamewell spins. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news,
3: He's in! Touchdown! Not to be
0: denied. Kenny
4: Gainwell takes this thing off the left tackle, and he gets hit on about the two yard line, but he smells pay dirt. I
3: think we play really good compliment, complimentary football. Um, has some um, negative plays, obviously, with the fumble by me. Can't have that. and um, I must be living bad with the other one, the um, tip ball, but. Um, I'm just happy how we played together, happy how we persevered, and we um, we found ways to respond, and um, really did a good job in the Off the field, on the money, and after hours, it's time to talk football with Amy Lawrence.
2: Jalen Hurd says he must be living badly. A ball that was tipped at the line of scrimmage and intercepted for a pick six, but every time he and the Eagles have a failed Either possession or a failed quarter, they seem to respond in a big way. And now six and one on the season. It's after hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio, The Call with Meryl Reese on Eagles Radio, and from PhiladelphiaEagles.com, insider Jeff Spadero joining us now following this win on Sunday Night Football. Ultimately, Dave, what did this victory over the Dolphins come down to?
5: I was really impressed with the way jalen hurts and the eagles responded after he threw that pick six to come back with an eight play 75 yard drive was really just impressive against the wind with a crowd that was kind of stunned it was the second giveaway and the eagles really showed some resilience there and then playing complimentary football darius slay makes the big interception (laughs) at the one yard line and then the eagles go for it on fourth down with 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter at their 26-yard line, and then four plays later at their 37-yard line. (laughs) Fourth and one means nothing to this team. They converted four fourth downs. And so to put another touchdown on the board there, you know, against a really good Miami team, the Eagles had not been, through those first six games, the sharpest five-win team in the history of the NFL. (laughs) But tonight I thought they really showed, how good they can be with a defense that kept a Miami team that was averaging 37 points a game to really seven points because the three points came on the first giveaway from Hertz and seven Mm -hmm. points came on the pick six. I just thought it was, it was the Eagles to this point, their signature victory of the season.
2: Why did it take the Jerome Baker interception return for a touchdown? So Jalen's second turnover. Why did it take that for them to find the next gear?
5: I feel like it was a tough game. They, they had a seventeen to three lead. I thought they played a really good first half, and then Miami converts a third and eighteen, and they end the first half with a touchdown. And so it's a seventeen to ten game. Then Miami comes out, and the Eagles' defense holds in the third quarter. Then the turnover. So it really wasn't like it wasn't like a big low. I mean, the Eagles had the two giveaways, and they punted one time. And the rest of the time, they moved the ball pretty well. They had 350-plus yards. They had zero penalties on the night. Really good statistics there. Amazing. They controlled the football for 36 minutes. And that's kind of what you want to do. You want to grind it out against the Miami Dolphins. And so, again, I think we are used to seeing the Eagles in a video game capacity offensively. That's not what they've been this year. So tonight really showed me something about this football team.
2: Jalen does seem to be really bothered, though, by his mistakes. He takes them personally. So what has he said about the turnovers to this point through seven weeks?
5: I mean, it's, it's very uncharacteristic of him, um, and he's not happy with it at all. Look, last year was so dominant for this football team. 14-3 and three in the regular season, blowout wins in the NFC Championship. Theory, you know, the NFC Championship postseason, um, the NFC playoffs were amazing. The Super Bowl, Jalen was up and down the field. It's teams study you and they've they've done a really good job defensively, I think, taking away his run. And so you've got to find other ways to win. And really, the two drawbacks for the Eagles offensively this season have been the giveaways, number one, and then the red zone performance. Tonight the Eagles were four of five before that final meaningless possession in the red zone. That's a really nice improvement. So I think the Eagles are headed in the right direction, and they need to be because they're in the really tough part of their schedule and they can't afford the four giveaway games like they had against the Jets last Sunday.
2: We'll talk about their schedule coming up because you're right. It is a buzzsaw. Dave Spadero is with PhiladelphiaEagles.com on Twitter at Eagles Insider. It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. Has anyone ever done the science of the tush push or the brotherly shove or whatever it is that you call it, Dave? How come everyone in the building knows that's what the Eagles are about to do and yet still it cannot be stopped?
5: I think we call it the brotherly shove in Philadelphia, which, by by the way, is kind of a a, right now the, the center of the sports universe with the Phillies playing the way they are and the Eagles doing well. It's really remarkable. And I see other teams try it. Offensive line is really good. They get excellent push. Jalen Hurts at one time in his college life squatted 600 pounds. Other quarterbacks just don't do that. So he's really able to drive. And when the Eagles do the tush-push, they're not getting it by inches. They're getting it by two and three yards. I mean, they're just blowing teams off the line of scrimmage. And it makes me wonder tonight, nationally televised game, big audience, Eagles 4 of 4, is this going to mean that the brotherly shove will be more likely to be outlawed or less likely to be outlawed? Do you think the national television audience, Fell in love with the brotherly shove.
2: (laughs) Oh, nice. I like that, Dave. I honestly can't figure out why the NFL would get rid of it. Is there some crazy injury risk that I'm missing?
5: Yeah, I mean, look, they had a chance last year in the annual meeting. The competition committee discussed it. And ultimately, there is nothing illegal about this play. It may not be aesthetically pleasing, and it may be vexing to defenses. And it may be infuriating to other offenses that are unable to run it as effectively as the Eagles do. But it is perfectly legal. And I don't see any reason why they would make it illegal unless they just don't like the appearance of the play.
2: Right, exactly. They obviously have an incredible number one receiver in A.J. Brown. We know Devontae Smith, though not been targeted quite as much, is still uh, an awesome weapon as well. DeAndre Swift, Dallas Goddard, and then they add Julio Jones. What is the plan for him, Dave?
5: Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, tonight, by my count, he had 12 reps, one catch, three yards. He, I thought, blocked pretty well at times, you know, made some nice blocks in the run game. I think. You want to, first of all, ease him into things. He hadn't played since last season. You want to make sure that he stays healthy. He still looks great in a uniform. I thought he moved really well tonight. I mean, if the Eagles can get a serviceable, viable threat as the number three receiver, that really means a lot to this offense. They've already got so many weapons. I don't think anybody expects Julio Jones to be what he was in, say, 2014. But for him to be reliable, to be a weapon... Maybe to be a red zone threat would really help the Eagles. Dave Spadaro is with us after a big
2: Eagles win on Sunday night football against the Dolphins. And now just two teams in the NFL, the six and one record, though we'll see what the Niners do on Monday night. It's after hours on CBS Sports Radio. Dave, I know last year this team made a living behind that offensive line with the run game, certainly in the playoffs, that was so critical. And yet they do have so many weapons in the receiving game. So What type of balance are they trying to strike with the two facets of the offense?
5: Yeah, I mean, I think to be determined, I think that it really is dependent upon what a defense is giving you, right? I mean, if a defense is giving you a light box, you're throwing the football, you're running the football. If they give you a heavy box, you've got to throw the football. Um, So there's still a lot of chess matches to be played here the rest of the way. I think it's really important for the Eagles to continue to work on the red zone. They want to be vertical in the pass game. But they also want to do things that they've really done well here this season, and that's grind it out with long drives, time-consuming drives, keeping the other offense on the sidelines. So they've shown the ability to do that. Now, can DeAndre Swift hold up for an entire 17-game season? Can Kenny Gainwell be a complimentary running back? Can they get anything out of Rashad Penny, who's been more inactive this season than active? But I think, ideally, they want to be a, a multifaceted offense that, if you're going to give them the run, they're going to wear you down with the run. If you're going to give them the passing game, they're going to explosive play you to death. And <laughs> that's what they were last year, and they're, they're trying to get back to that level in 2023. And if you're going to give them a
2: fourth and one, well, we know exactly what's coming then, too.
5: <laughs> and you're not going to be able to stop it. Nobody, <laughs> it was the weirdest, the weirdest play tonight was the, the double penalty, which was nullified, right? The, mm-hmm. Both teams offside on the tush-push. I've never seen that in my life. (laughs) Again, everyone knows it's
2: coming in that great anticipation. Well, on the defensive side of the ball, Dave, how did the Eagles limit not just the Dolphins as a whole, but Tyreek Hill? I know he dropped a long touchdown pass, but he was fairly contained tonight.
5: No doubt. 15 targets, 11 catches, 88 yards. That's a win against Tyreek Hill. So they win this defense by dominating at the line of scrimmage, which they have done on a fairly consistent basis this season. And getting rookie Jalen Carter back after missing last week's game, really important. They made the Miami Dolphins a one-dimensional offense. They just took away that run game. They really pressured 2 a well. They tackled great. John Desai, the defensive coordinator, had some excellent combinations in coverage. They got good play, underrated play, from their nickel cornerback position, which has been an issue with Avante Maddox injured. Eli Ricks and Josiah Scott really played well splitting time there. And like you said, did a great job on Tyreek Hill, gave a little bit to Waddle, gave a little bit elsewhere. But really, when you're holding the Dolphins to, what, under 250 yards, right. I mean, that's a, that's a standing ovation all around. It was a, it was a great defensive effort.
2: So, Dave, let's talk about the schedule. You alluded to it earlier. It's becoming a a real challenge here in this middle portion of the season. So, next, on the road at Washington and then home to the Cowboys. So, both divisional games there. You've got a game against the Chiefs, one against the Bills, one against the Niners before on the road in Dallas, wowzers! But when you look at this schedule, what comes to your mind?
5: I think, look, it's really important for the Eagles that they're banking these wins. And 6-1 and is impressive. You know it's going to get really hard. We, we don't know what teams are going to look like. And, and frankly, when I look at the way the Buffalo Bills have played this season, I'm not sure that they are that impressive to this point. But they could turn it around. The 49ers have Ebo Samuel with a hairline fracture in his, I think, shoulder. Mm-hmm. Is he going to be healthy? I mean, look, I think the Eagles just take it one day, one game at a time here. They're they're going to be really strong contenders in the NFC East. They've got a game-and-a-half lead over Dallas. Washington's a few games back. New York is is way back. So I think what what Nick Sirianni's teams have done very well is just, just that one game at a time. I know it's really boring, and I know it's cliche-ish, but they don't look ahead. They don't start talking about how good they are. They just go out and they play physical football. And when you have a good offensive line and a good defensive line, you really do have a chance to win every week. And I think that's kind of where this team is at. They, they have a chance to win every single week. And with a big game at Washington coming off a tough loss, I mean, that's going to be a very tough game. Washington always plays the Eagles hard. Dallas, and then you go into a bye week, and you've got the Kansas City Chiefs after that. Brutal week after week after week. But, mm. hey, that's what it's all about. The Eagles are a a team, and they seem to really enjoy that role.
2: Yeah, I heard Dallas Goddard say that they also really enjoy playing and succeeding for one another, that the team is really close. Uh, did you have any idea, by the way, as we think about that game at Arrowhead Stadium, that the Kelsey brothers, Jason Kelsey, could turn into such a superstar?
5: Yeah, that will be a spectacle. I mean, it'll be Kelsey mania, Taylor Swift. I, it, the whole the whole thing is it's just overwhelming. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I remember when Jason got drafted, and you know he was a six-round draft pick, and he was an undersized guy. He had been ill at the combine, and everybody was wondering, was he big enough to be able to man anchor an offensive line? And here we are. I believe he'll be a pro football Hall of Famer. He's tough. He's durable. He's athletic. He's just a great football player. And, you know, Mama and Papa Kelsey are really <laughs> proud of their two sons. I know them well. Uh, we really enjoyed, until the final two minutes, the Super Bowl last year. Heck, the way these teams are, are going, it's not out of the realm. that Can you imagine a repeat of Kelsey versus Kelsey with oh. a... Gosh. I would, would Taylor Swift play at halftime?
2: <laughs> Move over Usher? I, I don't know if that's yeah, even exactly. a possibility. Yeah.
5: yeah. yeah <laughs> just come on stage for a song or two, and I think everybody goes home happy.
2: Dave, before I let you go, if, if that were to be the case, the Eagles would be there with two brand-new coordinators. Both went off to become head coaches last year. Have you seen the new guys adjust to their roles and settle in?
5: I think, I think the defense has been just terrific. I mean, Sean Desai has been very impressive, and they have had key injuries, Throughout the secondary, I mean, every single week. So they've done outstanding work with some players who they've literally plucked off the street and thrown in the following week. Brian Johnson has had a bumpy road at times. I think there's improvement here. Again, the red zone is where most of the problems have been. And tonight, the Eagles scored four touchdowns and scored five times in the red zone. They've got to eliminate the. The turnovers, and they've got to run the football better, but I think that's on the horizon. Certainly some growing pains, but again, Six wins in seven weeks. And you ask any team in the league, they are very happy sitting at six and one. <laughs>
2: no doubt. All right. You can find Dave Spadaro on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, at Eagles Insider on Twitter, or at The Eagles Insider on Instagram, at the game on Sunday night as they move to six and one. And a win is a win, is a win is a win. But this one was impressive. Uh, Dave, great to connect with you. Thank you so much for a couple of minutes.
5: My pleasure anytime. And uh, it was really a great game. And the atmosphere. At Lincoln Financial Field, the Eagles were wearing their classic Kelly Green jerseys from the (laughs) 80s and 90s. It was really, really fun and an outstanding football game.
2: Between the Eagles at 6-1 and one and the Phillies, one win away from the World Series. hear Dave say it's the center of the sports universe. Now, I don't know if I believe that. That might be overstating it just a tad, a bit of hyperbole. However, yes, the Eagles and the Phillies make for a great one-two punch to say nothing of James Harden's Sixers. But we'll just forget about them for now. Uh, the game... That impressed me the most, or I should say, the performance that impressed me the most, with my apologies to the Eagles. Yes, what they did on Sunday Night Football reasserted them as a team to beat in the NFL. But the Baltimore Ravens, they stood up to a major challenge and made a loud statement. That's coming up next. On Twitter, A Law Radio, on our Facebook page, too, it's. After Hours with Amy Lawrence. You
3: are listening to the After Hours Podcast. bar under center, fourth down and one at the line seven. Pat Ricard goes in motion. Jackson play fake. He'll keep it. Runs to the left side. He's to the five. He walks in. Touchdown, Ravens. Lamar escaping the pocket, spins his way, extending to the right side. Settles his feet, lops in the back of the end zone. Touchdown, Nelson Aguilar! And Lamar Jackson delivered for a second time in the red zone today. Jackson on the play fake, rolls to the right, throws to mark, answers at the 10, answers the five, lunges for the goal line. I don't waiting think for stepped a out signal.
0: Of he didn't step out of bounds.
3: Kicking squad is on, touchdown Ravens mar the gun. Quick toss. Edwards sweeping to the right side. He's got a hole. He's got a touchdown. And the Ravens strike for a fourth time in the opening half. And they are going wild at M&T. Four possessions, four touchdowns. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence.
2: What did the NFL teach you this week? How did the NFL change your mind? If you didn't believe in the Ravens defense before Sunday, maybe you should think again. Look again. Did you know the Ravens have only given up seven touchdowns all season? Despite the mix and match on some of the units on the defensive side of the ball because of all the injuries, they remain physical and stingy. But that's just the defense, which definitely had its way against the Lions on Sunday. Did you also see the offense that generated 503 yards? And after lamenting the poor production and the misuse of the opportunities in the red zone last week, and it wasn't just last week in London against the Titans. Remember, Justin Tucker had six field goals, but you know who wasn't available on Sunday? Justin Tucker. Can't rely on your all-world kicker if he's injured. Better get your rears into the end zone. And they did that. Going four for four in the red zone on their first four possessions of the game. Ultimately, five for six overall. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. You'll pardon me if I call this a massive Statement by Baltimore in the first half. Four touchdowns on their first four drives against the Lions. So much for the Lions having a home field advantage on the road. And yeah, there were some Lions fans in attendance, but Baltimore protecting the purple. 355 yards of offense in the first half alone. So they obviously took their foot off the gas in the second half. Which I don't advocate, but I understand why. Not like they were going half speed, just not needing to force the issue. Get this. In the first half on Sunday, the Ravens had 100 yards rushing. The Lions didn't even have 100 total yards. That's how lopsided it was. Yeah, the Lions started with three straight, three and outs. And got no points until early in the fourth quarter. Congratulations to Jameer Gibbs. He did earn his first NFL touchdown, but it was too little too late. Instead, on National Tight Ends Day, oh, look, there's another one.
3: Lamar to throw on second and goal. Halftime slings it back in the end zone. Touchdown, Ravens! Mark Andrews in the back of the end zone, and the Ravens are back on the scoreboard. His old reliable throws it out there for him and lets him go get it. One
2: of the most sure-handed tight ends that I ever seen. It looked like it's a party, and Detroit wasn't invited. Oh, ouch! On the Ravens radio network, Mark Andrews with a couple of touchdowns. Lamar Jackson over four hundred, right about four hundred total yards and four touchdowns, three through the air. Gus Edwards had nearly 150 yards rushing, and this is right on the heels of me touting. Jared Goff as an early MVP candidate. Yeah, did you know Baltimore was up 28-0 before Detroit had its first down? (laughs) As I'm writing these notes on Sunday, I'm thinking, come on, can that be real? But in fact, it was. A gaudy win. An attention-grabbing win. An egotistical, self-centered win by the Baltimore Ravens. And as I say, the defense has only given up seven touchdowns all season long, which is tops in the NFL. It's After Hours on Facebook, also on our show Twitter, After Hours CBS. We'll soon have the Monday MVP poll up and available for you. The defense deserves a ton of credit. Five sacks to go along with an interception off Jared Goff as well as eight extra hits on the Detroit QB and Baltimore linebacker Roquan Smith well, he's giving you a peek inside the locker room.
4: I normally don't share that information, but I'll give you a little sneak peek since you uh, asked today. Uh, and I'm feeling good, you know. But, no, it was more so like I was just telling those guys, you know, it's our house at the end of the day. You know, they say it was lions. They were coming to the bank, you know. It wasn't a den in a nutshell. And then, you know, I talked to team security and remember um, everyone. I told them, lock the doors, you know, and we'll decide when we want to let them out. And I think we did it accordingly. <laughs>
5: we're going to define it in terms of what we think we're capable of playing like. And I, I promise you all the different things in that game that we feel like we can do better. But the things that we did well, and you know, we stand on and we build on, and things we can do better, we got to take with us out to Arizona and find a way to keep getting better. So uh, that, that kind of creates a vision for what we can be. Uh, but let's go be even better.
2: It was a rough day. Other than the Chicago Bears, well, the Vikings play Monday night. But for the Packers and the Lions, it was a rough day. The NFC North. Meanwhile, you've got the AFC North that is soaring, and the Ravens are on top there at 5-2. and two. That's just one hour in the books. What did the NFL change your mind about today? <laughs> it's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or
4: Thank you